0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Project Church, 12 p.m. How are we doing? Would you stand to your feet with me? In honor of the reading of God's word, I'm going to read. We've been doing this this whole series, so i figure one last time. Today, I am closing our poor... Series. A series we've been talking about generosity, financial stewardship, giving. And I believe today we are closing in a way that God is going to send us out with a lot of hope in this place. Matthew 19, I'm starting in verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Today I want to close this series out with a message entitled, how to be rich. So I want you to turn to your neighbors as you're seated in this place and tell them, we're about to get rich. Tell them, we're about to get rich. And you can be seated. Some of you by faith are saying that with a lot of emphasis. Man, so good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Caleb, one of the pastors here, and we are closing out this Poor series. Um, I'm so thankful that you chose to be here today. I do believe that God's going to challenge you. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're going, I knew it. Anytime I go to church, the pastor talks about money. Well, welcome. And I'm going to talk about it today, but I'm going to talk about some other things as well um, that tie into this idea of pouring, being a a Christian, a follower of Christ that really pours. That's what the series has been all about in a culture that's somewhat obsessed with not being poor, with having all kinds of things in our storehouses. What if as followers of Christ, we chose to be poorers, to pour? That we would be a blessing, a people that pour out onto others in this world. I believe that that is the call on us. And yet today, as I've come to this final message in this series and I have this message entitled, How to Be Rich. I was thinking about it because I think even as I read this text, we were challenged as we saw that Jesus speaking to the disciples says, man, it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for an, a, a, a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. Now, if you think about it, needle, hole, very small, camel, very large. And that is easier than a rich man getting into heaven. And yet the reality is we don't consider ourselves rich. I mean, when you think about the rich people, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen them. They're up in El Dorado in the hills (laughs) looking over the Sacramento Valley. Like that's those people. I know some rich people, but I'm not one of them. I mean, most of you would probably say that in this place. They surveyed Americans and the consensus was that if you make more than $150,000 a year, Americans, other Americans would consider you rich. Now, I know a lot of people that make that much. And let's be real. They don't consider themselves rich. In fact, some of you maybe combined household income, make much more than that. You're like, but I'm not rich. I mean, I know the rich people, but that's not me. Let me give you some perspective. If you make more than $48,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of global wage earners. Did you hear that? The top 1% if you just make more than $48,000 a year. If you own a car, you're in the top 4% of richest people in the world. Me and my wife, we own two. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In fact, that's my greatest marriage advice when people come to me, what's your best piece of marriage advice, I always tell them separate cars, <laughs> praise the Lord, me and my wife came separate this morning and I was on time, God is good, <laughs> and so no judgment, you know, I don't believe all women are late, just my wife, just my woman, and so separate cars has blessed us, so thank you Lord, so you're in the top 4% if you own a car, you know, we, we think about the rich people, but that's not us, but as it relates to the world, we in America are rich, And so I wanted you to receive this word today that you're actually rich. And I know you maybe are like, but Caleb, no, like, you don't know how many bills I have or the debt I have. Yeah, but when it comes to earnings, because of the blessing we have of this country, which I'm thankful for growing up here and living here, we're pretty rich. And I need you to receive this because this word and what Jesus is teaching, he's talking about you. In 1 Timothy, I want to go there for a moment, chapter 6, verse 17 through 18, here's what he says. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's telling him to tell the church this. As for the rich in this present age, everybody say, that's me. me. Everybody say it louder, "That's that's me. I'm talking about you. As for the rich in this present age, this is real practical. He's saying, you make money. You make good money. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I mean, there's no better description for you and I than this letter that's written here to Timothy for the church. And, and it was written 2,000 years ago, but this is for us. I mean, if you're rich, this is how you should live. And the reality is most of us in this place, he's talking about us. This is us. So that's why I wanted to share this message with you today and tell you how to be rich. Because we are rich, we're just not good at being rich. We're not. We're rich, we're just not good at it. And I think it's because we don't truly <coughs> grasp the principles of this word as it relates to money. People don't want us to talk about money as pastors. Most of you would never have come to a series about generosity or financial stewardship um, if maybe someone hadn't drug you along. And yet the Bible talks about this so much, the principles of it. A third of Jesus' parables are about it. And so I believe today God is gonna challenge us in what it looks like in being rich, we need to do better at being rich. We're not good at being rich. I think about our uh, first world problems. Because some of you are like, but Caleb is still not. I know those people, the rich people, not me. No, 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 let me just illustrate it more because I don't think some of you are convinced yet. Let me talk to you about your first world problems. You're mad because you got the iPhone 11, you don't have the 12 yet. First world problems. Oh, I had a guy talk to me the other day. Man, my my flat screen is like three years old now. I need a new one. My Wi Fi is so slow at home. First world problems. You guys seen these hashtags, right? Oh, we think about it. Even this morning, I was guilty of this. I get out of the shower, I'm getting ready. I look at my closet. I have nothing to wear. (laughs) Staring at a closet full of clothes. Can you relate to this? Ladies, come on, I know you can. You're with me. My wife's closet is much bigger than mine, if you're wondering. You know, it's funny, though, because I think tall people will tell you that they're tall. We love to talk about it. Short people, you admit you're short. Shout out to my short people. Artsy people love when people know they're artsy. The singers, they they let you know. They want everyone to know they can sing. The extroverts can't wait for you to talk to them. The introverts want you to know they're introverted, so you'll leave them alone. Uh, When I had you greet one another, many of you ran for the bathroom. But rich people, we don't want to admit we're rich. I don't know why that is. I don't know why I struggle with it. But as I was preparing this message, God just was reminding me, no, 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 Caleb, that's you. I'm talking to you. This verse is for you. This scripture is for you. It is hard to be rich. You want to know why? Because it's not natural to pour. The natural flesh that you have wants you to be all about you. You worry about you. You take care of you. It's all about me, mine, I, what I can get. And yet, the principle and the perspective of God's word is that we are called to be a blessing. We're called to be the hands and feet. We're called to give. We're called to be generous. So today, I want to help us. And the Lord gave this word, and it was for me as well. It's hard to be rich, so I want to talk to you about how to be rich. I've got seven ways for us to be rich And I did seven because seven is God's number, the number of completion. I usually give you less points. We got seven today. Are you with me, church? I know it's 12 o'clock, and y'all are maybe thinking about where you're going to eat, but I believe God's going to give you a word today that's going to help you to live it out on this earth. Are you ready? Here we go. How to be rich. First, be rich in priority. Priorities are very important, wouldn't you say? That we would prioritize the way of God and the things of God. And I want to start by encouraging you that you would prioritize giving to God. And what I'm talking about is give to God first. That's the priority. That God gets the first. Not the leftovers. Not a tip. Not I'll drop something in the offering if Caleb preached well. But he gets the first. Now, if we see this in Scripture, um, we we can see it no more importantly than in Genesis chapter 4. It's so clear. Cain and Abel. I preached on this a few weeks back. We are in a a series going through the book of Genesis verse by verse. We've taken a little pause. We're going to get back to the new year. Some people have been asking me. Genesis 4, throw it up for me. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Did you see it? Go back. He brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, think about that. Now, watch what Abel did. But Abel also brought of the firstborn, everybody say first, First. of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. What was the difference? Cain just gave I would say and what most theologians believe was the leftovers it says he gave an offering of the ground but Abel gave of the firstborn of his flock and God had regard for Abel's offering but not for Cain's what was the difference it was priority that Cain brought the leftovers, but Abel gave the first. I just want to challenge us, church. I believe that the best way we can be rich, which we are, and live out in a God-honored way, the riches that we have, is to give God his first. That you would pre-decide what to give away. Now, I know I talk about the tithe, and you guys are like, oh, here he goes again. I've talked about it every week now, four weeks straight. Can I I just put some grace on you? You guys want some grace? Because I think maybe when you hear me talk about the tithe, um, you can feel guilty. Or like there's condemnation in this house. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament law, I don't think I've ever taught our churches. In the Old Testament law, if you did not tithe according to the law given to the Israelites by Moses, you would not go to heaven. Let that soak in for a moment. Now, the current studies show that about three to five percent of Christians tithe in America. So what that tells us is, if we are still under the law, not many people would be going to heaven. And what did uh, Jesus say? It's harder for a rich man to get into heaven, for the camel to fit through an eye of a needle. It's hard to be rich, church. I'm telling you right now, this is not easy. But we're not under the law anymore. Thank you, Jesus. We are no longer bound by the Old Testament law. We are under a new covenant, and his grace is sufficient. So I just want to let you all know and give you some freedom in this place. If you don't tithe, you can still go to heaven. If your heart is close to God, if you repent, some of you are like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I was worried for a second. These four weeks. Why am I telling you this? Because I, I I'm not trying to get something from you. Like, I'm actually giving you some grace in here, and there's freedom in this place. I'm not trying to put you under the law any longer. We're not bound by the law. But the principles of the word of God, which Jesus affirmed, the tithe, I believe it's a great starting point. Now, some of you have never come close. Tithe, giving the first, the the tenth, the first fruits. I can't do that. Start somewhere. But here's what I'm saying in priority. Predetermine what you're going to give. What does that mean? You set... A budget you decide this is how much I'm gonna give every month why would you do that because statistics and studies show us that when you choose where you're gonna give generously when you choose what you're gonna do in terms of philanthropy when you set a budget and set it aside that you actually have more margin in your life Statistics show us that people who tithe actually have more margin than those who don't. The studies show us this. Why? Because there's priority and there's planning. Now, would you agree that budgets usually help you financially? Prioritizing usually helps you financially. And so this is my challenge to us. That not only would we prioritize, we'd figure out what percentage we're going to give, but we'd also live with margin. What do I mean by that? You see, being rich isn't the presence of stuff. Sometimes we just think, oh, it's, it's stuff. It's the absence of attachment. That's the richness that I believe God is calling us to as followers of Christ. You see, sometimes we're, we're like, oh, well, okay, so you're saying I can't have stuff, Caleb? I love Jesus. I'm just going to give it all away. No, no. I'm not saying you can't have stuff. I'm saying your stuff can't have you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't own things. I'm saying your stuff, the things you own, can't own you. Like if God said, give it up, let it go, could you? Would you? Would you? Live with margin. And I think so often the reason priority is important and living with margin is important is because if you don't, you can find yourself in a very dangerous place. I know a lot of people who make a lot of money and have less margin than I do. You know what I'm saying? You guys know some rich people who are still living paycheck to paycheck? Like they make a lot of money. You know people that make a lot of money and they're still struggling? You wanna know why? Because the priorities aren't in line. The priorities are stuff, image, what they're showing to the people around them, having the fire trip for social media and all the the hottest new devices and cars and, and all of these things. I mean, just think about Allen Iverson, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I love Allen Iverson, his crossover, come on. We got any basketball fans in the place? Go Kings. I've been speaking it out by faith. Look what's happening, church. Oh my goodness. God is on them. The anointing has fallen. Keep praying for my Kings. Okay, Um, let's go. Thank you, Jesus. But I loved Allen Iverson. He hit, he blew up. His shoe was released when I was a sophomore in high school. I was number three. Allen Iverson was number three. The first shoe, the answer one came out. It had number three on the back. I rocked those and I thought I was the man. Allen Iverson made $200 million in his career, not including endorsements. And a few years back, a documentary was was released that he was broke. He had no money left. Couldn't pay his bills, couldn't pay his child support. What was the issue? The issue was priorities. That he blew all that he earned and regretted it now. I'm here to tell you, we must be rich in priority. And when we prioritize God first, I'm telling you, he'll bless the rest. Let's keep moving. Second today is be rich in priority. Power, everyone say power. power. Listen, God's people are people of power, but your power doesn't come from your paper. Yeah. Your power comes from the presence of God. And that's why we're a church that prioritizes the presence of God. Yeah. I thought you'd be more excited about that. We are a church that prioritizes the presence of God. That's where your power comes from. Are you with me, church? Yeah. And so I wanna tell you, be rich in power, but it doesn't come from your paper. I think some of you in here don't pray about it. You don't pray for it because you're like, I can pay for it. What am I saying? Your power you think comes from the money that you have. You think the answer is your money. You think the answer is how much is in your bank account. You think the answer is how much is in your retirement. Can I tell you, the power comes from the presence. Yeah. The power comes from God. You could have all the money in the world and get to the place that you always thought you would want to get to, and you'll get there, and it's still as empty without the power of God on your life. Yeah. Yeah. Exodus thirty-three, fifteen. there's this amazing moment where, where Moses is, wanting, uh, is, is getting ready to lead the Israelites um, towards the promised land. And he says this thing that, man, I, I saw it this week and I was like, God, yes. It says, then Moses told the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Can I tell you, if the presence of God is not on your life, I don't want is not with me, I don't wanna go there. I don't care if it looks good. I don't care if there's a, a lot of money at that job. I don't care if the paycheck is is nice. I don't care if it's gonna give me a lot of accolades of men. I don't care if the presence of God is not going with me there, I'm not going. That's where your power comes from, church. So be rich in power. I read to you 1 Timothy chapter six, this verse 17 and 18, that's another great example for us. For the rich in this present age and how we're to live. And in this text, it challenges us that we would be rich third in humility. I want to ask you, are you humble? Because you know what I found? When I start having more success, as this church has grown, got a building, right? I, I, I mean, we started this church from scratch, from nothing, six people. No money, no building, no anything. And we started, and Christy and I laid it all line. We didn't get paid for the first six months while we were planting the church and getting it ready. And, and then we started getting paid. Can I tell you, we did not get paid very much. But as the church has grown, and just, you know, I don't determine my own salary. Uh, we have a board that determines that for us. Uh, just want to set that up. We have accountability here. Uh, it, it is a great thing. But, but obviously, as the church has grown and time's gone by, like, uh, uh, we, we get paid more now. And financially, like, Christy and I are in the best place we've ever been. We've planned. We've, we've, we have retirement. We've done well. We have margin. All these kind of things. But can I tell you, here's the temptation. I start saying, look what I did. Look how successful I am. Look what I've accomplished. Look how talented and gifted. I mean, this is because of me. I'm the man. Can I tell you what what Paul writes to Timothy here is so applicable for us today? He says, as to the rich in this present age, what's the first thing he challenges them with? He says, tell them not to be haughty. Tell them not to be prideful. He says, make sure they stay humble. And I wanna tell you right now that all that you have, the money you have, the the job you have, the giftings, the talents, it's not because of you, it's because of him. And so at the end of the day, we have to keep that perspective in place that, God, I want to be rich in humility, no matter how successful I get, no matter how much money I have, no matter how big my house is, or how many cars, or how much money I'm able to get away, none of it is because of me. It's all because of you. Every good and perfect gift does not come from you. It comes from above. May we be rich in humility, church. I have to challenge you. Stay humble. As God blesses you, stay humble. When things are going well, stay humble. The first challenge that Paul gives to Timothy tell these rich people, say, that's us. Say it again, that's us. He says, charge them not to be haughty. Be humble. Because it's not because of you, it's because of him. The third point here, or sorry, fourth point here, we see in how to be rich is that we would be rich in hope. You know, this is encouraging for all of us because it says, don't be, so don't be haughty, stay humble. And then, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Oh, what a challenge because I don't know about you, but I tend to be more hopeful when the stock market's up than when it's down. I tend to be more hopeful when the real estate game is doing well than when it's struggling. I tend to be more hopeful when my bank account is full than when it's, things are tight. And what Paul is challenging them with here is don't put your hope in the things of this world, the uncertainty of riches—can I tell you—as quickly as you can earn it, it could all be gone. But we don't live with a perspective of hope based on external circumstances. Our hope is in one, and His name is Jesus. And you know what's cool? I've read this all the way to the end, and we win. Come on, church, we win. It doesn't matter if tomorrow you had no money left and that they repoed your car and your house and, and you were on the street. You still have the promise of life and life eternal. Can I tell you, this life is short? Yeah. So I don't want to walk with the perspective that, oh, when things are bad financially, I have no hope and I have no peace. And when things are good financially, now I'm hope-filled and I'm positive. No, I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard because we've all been through tight times financially in our lives. Every single one of us, I'm sure. But can I tell you, I will continue to place my hope in my God and my God above riches and my, my God above finances and my God above my crypto, my retirement fund, which is struggling right now or the stock market. I'm rich in hope. Not because of what I own but because of who I belong to. It says, be rich in hope. Don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And it goes on. But on God, who richly provides with everything to enjoy, they are to do good, to be good, to be rich in good works. So what's the next point? Be rich in good works, church. Good works. I wanna illustrate this because I think that This is many of us, including me. Here's what happens with the things of this earth, the things of this world. When our hope, when our life is bound to stuff, to our bank account, when our hope and our life is bound and and, and we have certainty, when the stock market's good, when our job is paying us well, What happens is then when God asks us to do good things, to give, if our life is bound to the stuff of this world, it's always gonna hold us back. So I think many of us, God's telling us to do good works and we're like, I mean, I would, God, but I mean, I gotta worry about me. I gotta take care of me. I mean, I I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot on my, on my mind, God. Like, I don't really have time to serve in the church. I don't have time to, like, help people on the street when they come across me. And then God says, give, and I'm like, give, God. No, but, but pff, I got to think about Christmas. I got to think about, you know, what I, I'm going to buy next month. And what I found so often is is, We are being held back from the good works and the generosity and the life of pouring that God has called us to because we're bound to the things of this earth. And I can relate to this because this is me too. My wife is very generous. I said it's not natural. It's hard to be rich because it's not natural to pour. I said it at the beginning. Some of you it's a little more natural for, like my wife. She wants to give away everything to everyone. But for me, the weights have always been heavier. She's like, Can we give to this person? I'm like, Psh, We got to worry about us right now, babe. We got to worry about us. I mean, I, I don't know what's coming. I don't know how big that bonus is going to be. I don't know if I'm still going to have a job. And we're held back from the good works that God has called us to do. But can I tell you, we need to be rich in good works. I can illustrate this by telling you that this week, God just kept bringing people along my path to help. And I didn't want to help. Can I be real? I didn't want to help. And I think God was preparing me for this message. So on Monday, I was at the gas station, Arco, shout out, cheapest gas. And... uh, (laughs) And I rolled up to Arco and this dude comes walking up to me and I'm like, here we go. Look, I'm used to it. I live down here. I'm downtown all the time. I work down here. I mean, I, I, I'm used to it. This dude comes up to me and I'm just like, oh gosh, okay. Comes up to me with his gas can. He's like, hey bro, can I get some gas? Can I tell you my go-to response? I do it every time. I go, I don't know, bro. That's my go-to response. And I try to be kind of tough about it though. And usually if I just say, I don't know, bro. They leave me alone. They just walk away. Like, all right, bro. Like, all right, and they walk away. So he came to me. I was like, Hey, can I get some gas? I don't know, bro. But he didn't relent. He was like, No, for real. I just need two gallons. This is a two-gallon tank. Like, can you do, can you give me two gallons? And I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, Okay, 4.98 times two. Okay, so I gotta give him nine nine ninety six for this. Okay. <laughs> and so reluctantly, I said, All right let me finish pumping my gas and then I'll fill you up. And so I finished, I filled him up. He screws on his cap, he's like, hey, you think you could give me a ride to my car? <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> I gave him it again. He wouldn't relent, like, please, man. And I was, I was by myself, so I was like, all right, get in. And, and so I, I had him jump in. And I would love to be like, yeah, and then I prayed for him and led him to the Lord, but I didn't talk to that dude the whole way. I did not feel <laughs> like it. This was me. I was worried about me. I had things to do, places to go. And so reluctantly, I did a good work. I drove the man to his car. I filled up his gas can. He got out. I said, all right, bro. And he, and he left. That was it. So I was like, God, that's going to be a great illustration. Thank you, Lord. And then he wasn't done with me. So yesterday, my wife was here for the sisterhood event. And uh, yeah, shout out sisterhood. And uh, And my kids all had birthday parties. And so I took them and I dropped them off. And I had two hours of me time. Come on. God is good. And uh, I don't get a lot of that. And so I was hyped. And so I went to the driving range. And it was a beautiful day. And I'm I'm striping every shot. I'm like, oh my goodness, I am blessed. And and I'm hungry. So I'm like, of course, I got time to myself. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I need that spicy deluxe chicken sandwich with the waffle fries and the sweet tea. Come on. Heaven's nectar. And uh, you don't know, me and Chrissy, we lived in the Midwest for a while. So I get down on the sweet tea, oh, real sweet tea. Okay, so, so I, I'm, I didn't want to be around people. I wanted to be, some me time. So I pulled up, you know where they bring it out to your car. And I'm just sitting in there, pounding that chicken sandwich, eating my fries, drinking my sweet tea all by myself, enjoying my alone time. But I made a mistake and I left my window down. Next thing you know, this guy comes walking up to my window. He says, "Hey, do you think you could give me a jump? My car died." I don't know, (laughs) bro. I'm trying to eat this chicken sandwich right now. I mean, this is me time. I don't get a lot of this. I'm a pastor, you know. I'm thinking this. I'm not saying this, but uh, but sometimes I need to minister to myself, you know, and uh, and. He asked me again, he's like, I got the jumper cables, it'll just take a minute. So I was like, all right, fine. So I back up the car, I jump out. I'm very reluctant, church, I'm just telling you. This is me, I'm doing good works like this. (laughs) And I opened the hood, and I was not talking to this dude because I was not feeling it. And and it took like two minutes. And I jumped him, he's like, thank you. I'm driving for Uber Eats, and I was gonna be late with this delivery. And he was super grateful, and he left. And can I be real? He was reluctant the whole way, but I felt so good afterwards. Like, man, I at least did it. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like it. And I wonder how many of us are bound by so much that's holding us back from the good works or the generosity. How many of you are bound by the dysfunction of your past? Not even your dysfunction, your family dysfunction, generational dysfunction. Where generations have failed financially, and so you, not wanting to be like them, are holding yourself back. What are you bound by? You're bound by the past. generational. And so, I, I can't be generous. I can't give. I don't want to end up like that. There's so much holding us back from, I believe, what God and who God is calling us to be. So can I challenge you, you would be rich in good works and that you would be rich, number six, in life if the keys would come back. Verse 17, the end of it. It says, don't put your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, watch this, throw it up for him, verse 17, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. Enjoy. You know, I think there's a religious spirit that wants you to feel guilty anytime you do anything for yourself. There's a religious spirit that wants you to feel guilty anytime you buy something for yourself, anytime you get your nails did, ladies, anytime you do anything that is a blessing to you. Can I tell you something? We need more Christians that just enjoy the life that God has given them. I mean, we are the most anxiety filled, stress filled, uh, uh, fearful generation. In modern times and Christians are just like this now listen I know you're walking through some hard things I know life isn't perfect I know you have challenges and some of you are in the middle of storms but can I tell you something else you have so much to enjoy you have so much to be grateful for you have so much to say thank you God that I have this life and let's be real this life is here and gone and I think too many of us are missing out on just enjoying it says put your hope in God who richly p- provides us with everything to enjoy you know God meant for you to enjoy this life to enjoy the blessing of this life and my wife will tell you like I'm kind of the other way I'm guilty of the other thing but she's like you know there are bad things going on in the world I'm like I know I just don't like to think about them so we need to be aware of what's happening And that people around us are hurting and struggling. But we also need to daily give thanks for the many blessings we have. And so I feel like right now, there's people in this room, you've had a hard time seeing the good and the blessing and the overflow and the life that God has given you as a good thing meant to be enjoyed. And I just want us to take five seconds. I want you to think about the blessings you have. And I want us to give thanks. Come on, can you give God some praise? Clap your hands. Give him some thanks. God, we thank you for the life you've given us. It's not perfect, but it's a blessing. It's not without problems, but I'm telling you, it is full of purpose. How to be rich? Be rich in generosity, church. The final... The completion. Number seven. This is it. The poor series is over. Some of you are like, thank God. You see, rich isn't about being rich. It's not about how much you can spend. It's about choosing to pour. It's not about the amount you give. It's about your heart when you give. And I feel like In this place, God just wanted to remind you that you would begin to give to what God cares about. And I I hit this last week, but you know, the true riches of this life is people. And this week, it's Thanksgiving. And I, I love Thanksgiving, but let's be real. Sometimes Thanksgiving can be very dysfunctional, unhealthy, chaotic, Painful, hurtful, the dysfunction of our past all comes to a head and and we leave maybe going, why did I even go? But I just wanna encourage you that you would be rich in generosity this week And, and, and the generosity may be just being generous with your words, with your love, generous with your patience among people who maybe it is very hard to be patient with. You see, the generosity goes far beyond just money and monetary gifts or donations or giving. It goes to so much more of what you're releasing from your life. Be rich in generosity. As I was preparing to close this message, the Lord reminded me of a story. A story and a scripture. Mark 12, there's the story where Jesus is watching the people come to the treasury to give their offerings. And he says this, many rich people came, put in large sums, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny, and he called his disciples to him and said to them truly I say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on you see God wants to inspire us that we would pour and some are saying well that's easy that's easy You know, the studies show us that the more money people make, the less percentage they give away. So getting more rich doesn't make you more generous. In fact, the opposite is true. Why? Because it's hard to be rich. It's not natural to pour. It's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. But today, and in this church, I believe God is raising up a people, raising up a generation of generous givers, pourers. I, I, I was reminded of a story, and I told this years back, but many of you weren't there. Uh, we had, for many years, uh, a homeless man that was coming to our church at the Crest, For four or five years, he was there every Sunday, serving, loving, everyone loved him. He, outgoing, uh, just welcoming spirit. And I had a friend from high school who reached out to me on Facebook. He said, Caleb, I need to tell you a story. I was going into Starbucks with my wife and we have been going through a little tough season. And as we're walking in, this homeless man starts waving us over to him like desperately waving us over. And I'm like, uh, no thanks. And so they both just ignored him and walked into Starbucks. He's like, we were walking out and he ran to us. And he said, hey, I wanna give you this. And he handed them $5. And they, taken aback, said, we can't accept that from you. Like, you need that. You know, they're trying not to be rude. And, and he said, no, listen. God told me to give this to you. And so I need you to take it. And so they took it. They began to talk to him and he told them, yeah, my name is Arthur and I go to Project Church in downtown Sacramento. Pastor Caleb Cole and my friend's like, oh my goodness, we graduated high school together. I know Caleb. And he said, Caleb, it was a reminder that God saw us in a tough season, that he loved us. And while we didn't need the $5, it was God using him and his generosity and giving the only money he had to show us and remind us of his love. And I think there's a picture. You got a picture of Arthur. This is Arthur. And so we hadn't seen Arthur in a few years uh, when we, you know, COVID happened. And then when we opened, we didn't know where he was. But just last year, uh, we had someone through a friend they sent me an Instagram post. And it was a post of a picture of Arthur with this woman at a coffee shop. And she wrote this long description about how she had gone to this coffee shop and this man, Arthur, this homeless man had come to her and started talking to her, prayed for her, told her he loved her. And she's like, I want you to know, this man, Arthur, has been living on the street for decades but still loves Jesus. Now he has his struggles and his battles. But can I tell you, that's the heart that God was talking about here, just like the widow. So many of us, we have a hard time giving out of, out of our abundance. But it's not about how much, it's about our heart. And so today, I wanna challenge us in, in, in a day and an age and in a culture where it is hard to be rich. I'm telling you, it's not easy. And yet the grace of God is present. And the grace of God is real. And he wants to shower you with a heart that is his. May we pour, church. We're rich, let's pour. We're rich, let's pour. A culture that doesn't want to be poor, we choose to pour. That's what his church is. That's who we're called to be. And yet, in a room this size, I know that there may be someone in this room As I close, you say, Caleb, all this is spoken to me, but to be honest, I don't even know Jesus. You see, the ultimate poor was our Savior who poured out his life, he poured out his blood, he went to that cross so that you could be rich, not financially, but eternally. So that you could be rich, not just in this life, but life eternal. He said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Let me tell you, a life with Jesus is the best life on this earth and in eternity. And so today there's someone here that before you can get better at being rich, you need to receive the true riches, which is relationship with the Savior, Jesus.